Yes, indeed, I do have issues. Uh, I got a lot of them, actually. If those of you who know me, have been around for a while, know that I've got plenty of issues, and we're uh, always willing to share those with you. In fact, the first message out of the gate in January is going to be on anxiety, and I've struggled with anxiety. Uh, much of my life, and if you struggle with that as well, we invite you to come see what the Bible has to say about uh, dealing with, with this thing called anxiety, but just want to welcome all of you to all of our campuses, many throughout the Twin Cities today. Way to go. You made it to Christmas, Christmas Eve, I guess it is. Uh, welcome to those of you who are also attending in Rochester, our new campus down there. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online today as well around the country, world, especially those of you who are away from home serving our country in the armed forces. We are so proud of you. We are praying for you, and we thank God for your life. Way to go. I hope you heard that applause. We really mean that. Um, hey, today, uh, I want to start with a question for all of you just to think about. Don't raise any hands on this, but how many of you wonder if there's more to life than what you currently have. You ever thought about that? There's, there's got to be more to life. Or maybe that you're missing something, but you're not sure what it is. Because none of us want to look back on our life someday and say, you know, I missed it. I missed it. Whatever the ultimate it is. I have in our basement, I've had for years, a box. And it's just a ratty old box. I've been there for years. A box of memories, mementos. And this might sound familiar to some of you. But mementos end up in a box that, you know, things that have meaning to your life, that, that have meant something to you. And for example, I've got a, don't laugh at this first one, but I do have a set of deer horns. Uh, this was my very first buck that I shot when I was 14 years old in Pennsylvania. A string of does filed past me, followed by this one lone buck, and my 32 Winchester found its mark. I was so excited. My dad mounted this on this nice little... <laughs> deal. But I was so excited, I ran down the ridge to tell my father, and every time I see these horns, I think of that day, it says he wrote this, Bobby, 1971, first buck. And so every time I see that, I think of my dad and that day. Uh, just to balance this out a little bit, however, uh, these, are, these, are, these are red stag horns from New Zealand, and I've kind of fulfilled a bucket list thing five years ago with my son, and our guides took us on a brutal 12-hour mountain hike, almost killed us, but we, we got our stags, and, and when we uh, got these animals, I just broke down and cried, because there's only one boy on the planet who calls me his dad, and I love him more than words can say, and we got to share that week together, and I'll never forget it. Uh, the next thing in this box that I'd probably hold before you is a softball signed by 10 other guys. Uh, I used to be the pastor 36 years ago of the First Baptist Church of Fallen, Wisconsin. And our softball team was the Fallen Angels. <laughs> Love that name. But every time I look at this softball and those 10 guys, I go back to that little ball field surrounded by cornfields up in Fallen, Wisconsin. And the day we left that little church, we all cried because I grew to love those people, and they, most of them love me. Uh, <laughs> this is a bracelet on the front. It says Bob. On the back, and I was 14 years old, on the back it says, Love, Carlene. And that's all I'm going to say about that. 
Fortunately, God had plans for different plans for both of us. This is uh, this collar belonged to my Chesapeake Bay Retriever, who got me through some really hard years. Bear was her name. She's the reason I believe all dogs go to heaven. Although my dog Blue might go to hell if he's not, <laughs> if he doesn't shape up. Truly, I mean, he's un unbelievable. These are homemade cards that my daughter over the years have made me for Father's Day, birthdays, Christmas. This was a Christmas card, actually. And the time that she would put into cutting all these little trees out and then writing a personal note with a scripture verse uh, over the years. She's got three kids now. I haven't received one of these in quite a while. <laughs> but uh, uh, there's only one girl on the planet who calls me her dad. And these cards represent What's most important to my wife and me beside our faith is our, our kids and grandkids. But the thing that means most to me are these, these and I've got a ton of these, are just a few of them. These are, these are love letters. You know, back in the day, we used to use a pen and we'd write on cards or we'd write a letter. And they're amazing. If you ever haven't received one, it's just unbelievable. Anyway, these, my wife and I were deeply in love, still are, 46 years ago, though, we exchanged love letters, and we were so in love, at least I was, we actually used words like honey, and uh, there's no, babe, and I'm, I'm like, I, we, we never use those words today, it's embarrassing, but uh, back then we did. Uh, when I was 19 years old, I took a two-month trip to Europe, and I just got so lovesick and homesick to be home with Laurie. And so I was flipping through these, these cards and I actually wrote at the end of one, I wish you were here, honey. <laughs> Can't believe I wrote that. If something ever happened to us, I'd move to Alaska and live alone for the rest of my life. I love you and miss you so much. I'm counting the days, hugs and kisses. I was a goner. I mean, if you, if you would have told me that someday we would have two kids and five grandkids, I wouldn't have believed it. Because one of the things that's not in this box is a wedding album. There was so much conflict between our families on our wedding day that we almost didn't get married. That was a bad day. We don't, we don't talk about that day much. But I wonder what might be in your memento box if you have one. I wonder how many boxes have a portrait in it that's now broken. Maybe of a marriage that didn't make it. A son or daughter who had so much promise, but for whatever reason hasn't turned out yet. Maybe there's a portrait, broken portrait of a missing dad. Or a missing mom. That nobody can replace. Several years ago, an online magazine asked this question. It said, if you had to summarize your life in six words, what would those words be? One person wrote in and quoted Ernest Hemingway. She said, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. And some of you know what that feels like. It says it all. So much hope for a new baby, but then life took a cruel turn and their box was filled with tears instead of pictures. 
So I, I don't know what's in your box today or what might be missing, but I can tell you that God knows. And for every lost dream or shed tear, the Bible says that God understands that and he's willing to enter that loss with you to heal you and give you hope beyond the missing pieces. And gang, that's the story of Christmas that the God who made us came to us. In fact, the Bible says it this way, the virgin will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The God who made every one of you, God who made me, the God who made us came to be with us. Bible says in Colossians 1, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. What that means is that when you look at Jesus, you're, you're looking at God himself revealed in human form, that when God entered our world, he didn't come as a ghost or an alien, but he came as a person who he could actually see and hear and touch. He came to us as one of us. The Bible says he was both fully human and fully God, one and the same. He was fully human, so he experienced all the struggles and pain that you and I do. So he can relate to everything you're going through. But he was also fully God who could heal that pain and pay the penalty for our sins. I mean, only God, only God could take on the world's pain and the world's debt of sin. And so Jesus, the visible image of the invisible God, took all the pain and sin on himself. And when he was in this world, he walked around and he healed sick people because he was God himself. He cast out demons. He had authority over the demonic world. He gave sight to blind people. And then he was crucified and killed on a cross. But then he rose from the dead proving his divine authority over death. There's only one other person in the history of the world who's done that. There's only one person who's done that. That's Jesus Christ, who conquered death. And that same Jesus can heal sick people today, can break addictions, and he can raise dead things. He can raise dead families, dead dreams, but I want to go back to the manger scene briefly because I think the key to whatever ends up in your box is contained right here in this, this manger scene situation. And, and by the way, I've never been a big nativity scene guy. I mean, you know, to a lot of people, it's a nice story. But a virgin giving birth to God in a manger because the Motel 6 was out of rooms. I mean, that's a stretch for some people. I believe that story to the core of my being because I've studied scripture. I've been a student of it all my life, history. I've read books about this. But if you're skeptical of this whole manger scene situation, I totally get it. But just think about one thing with me, if you would. If we're honest, isn't this true? If we're honest, any birth, any birth is hard to believe. When a microscopic cell unites with a microscopic eggs, egg that becomes an embryo that turns into, oh, I don't know, Bob Merritt. I mean, come on. 
that can stand up here and talk and think and, you know, do things with his hand back here at the same, I mean, come on. Or can turn into Garth Brooks or Beyonce or whoever else you want to think about or yourself. If God can take a microscopic cell and unite that with another micro and turn into this, it's incredible. I mean, God can do anything. The virgin birth, he can do that. But that aside, I think the key to whatever ends up in your box is right here in the manger scene because I think it's a, it's a picture of life. You know, you have the shepherds, the wise men, Mary and Joseph, and at the center, you have Jesus. And I'm not concerned how this is set up in your yards or on your porches if you have one, but I'm concerned about how it's set up in our hearts because every single one of us have something at the center of our lives. Every one of us has something at the center of our lives, and whatever is at the center will absolutely determine what ends up in your box, either abundant life or abundant loss. Whatever's at the center will determine whatever ends up right here. So how this scene is set up, how it's set up is everything. And I borrowed some of this thought from a friend of mine, Chris Hodges, pastor Highlands Church in Alabama. But the truth is, for a lot of us, we have Jesus in our lives. He's, he's just not, he's not in the center. He's over here by the deer horns. And it's a close call between the two. And I get that. For some of you, he's not even in the scene. So again, if you sense that something is missing in your life, but you're not sure what it is, or if your life's not quite working right, could it be that it's just, it's just set up wrong? Could it be that Jesus is there somewhere, maybe once a week, once a month, maybe just once on Christmas, but what happens when Jesus isn't at the center, then something else takes his place. Now, the problem with that is there's not a person, job, game, drink, drug, or possession that can fill the place in our soul that only God can fill and give us what we all want, which is love, joy, peace, forgiveness, and eternal life. So if we put the shepherd in the center of our lives, let's say the shepherd, he's kind of blue collar. He, he represents, well, could be white collar too. He represents work. Okay. He's a working class guy and he's working away. Nothing wrong with work. We should all work. Work is good. We all need to work, but work cannot heal your soul. Can't restore a marriage can't rescue somebody out of addiction. So if work is at the center of your life and your life isn't working, it's just, it's just set up wrong. Uh, these three guys are the wise men, and they also brought gifts of incense, gold, and myrrh. So one guy had gold, so they were also very wealthy. And I'm going to say that the, these guys represent wealth and success. By the way, nothing wrong with wealth and success. We all need a certain amount of money. Nothing wrong with making money. But Jesus gave us a warning over and over again in the Bible about money. And one of the verses, he said this, look, be on your guard 
Jesus said, be on your guard against all kinds of greed for material possessions. He said, just be careful of that because he said this, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So if that's your deal, just possessions, you're going to find emptiness because life doesn't consist of that. Isn't this true? It's possible to have an abundance of possessions, but an absence of love, joy, peace, and purpose. So Jesus said, look, be, be careful of that. Don't put wealth and success in the center of your life. This is Joseph and Mary. These represent family, and family's important. Uh, but the truth is, uh, ladies, if you're married, your husband is not Jesus. Did you know that? <laughs> not even close. And if you expect him to be, your life's not going to work. So if you put your, some person in the middle of your life as you're going to meet all my needs, forget it. Guys, if you're married, your wife is not the mother of Jesus. She's the mother of two or three little kids who pull on her all day long. And if you expect her to meet every need that you have, forget it. Not going to happen. It's unrealistic. There's not a person on the planet who can meet all of your needs and make you happy. And if you expect that of anybody, you're going to suffocate every relationship that you touch. I got an email recently that said, Bob, I'm a 19-year-old college student. Just a few days ago, she says, my boyfriend broke up with me. I'm heartbroken. I found my identity in my boyfriend instead of God. Now I feel so lost and empty and alone that I'm unmotivated to do anything, even go to school. I don't even know where to start my journey of healing. And so I wrote back to her and I said, look, you just have it set up wrong. You have your boyfriend in the center. And he needs to be, you know, somewhere else. Not in the center. He needs to be somewhere. <laughs> I said, what if, what if you put Jesus in the center? What if you trusted Jesus to be your source of security and peace and joy and confidence instead of some 19-year-old kid? Because that'll be disappointing if you don't. Gang, as wonderful as relationships can be, joy and peace, let me tell you something, joy and peace does not come from somewhere out there to bring me joy and peace. Joy and peace comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ who heals your heart and says, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So last are the animals. You know, if we put the animals in the center and you, you say, come on, Bob, I don't have animals in the center. Well, yes, you do. I've seen your Instagrams, some of them. I mean, you dress your pets up. They sleep in your bed. With, it's just like, you got to be kidding me. And I get it. Let's be honest. Dogs are way better than people. Always happy to see you. They never talk back. In fact, I did a little research on this. I'm going to show you six reasons 
why dogs are better than men and women, okay? Three for men, three for women. Why dogs are better than men? Number one, you can train a dog. Number two, dogs don't care about fantasy football. I mean, who does? Number three, when dogs play fetch, they don't laugh at how you throw. That's why dogs are better than men. Why are dogs better than women? Dogs never expect gifts, thank goodness. A dog's parents never visit, okay? Number three, a dog's time in the bathroom is limited to a quick drink. So, I get it. I get it. Pets are great. I love my dog. But let's say it's more than our pets who are at the center. Let's say it's anything that brings us pleasure. Golf, travel, sports, which, by the way, I do all three. Golf, travel, sports. I do all three. The Bible says God gives you all things richly to enjoy. So it's not wrong to enjoy these things. I watched the Vikings lose. I enjoyed that. I didn't enjoy it. But I, I, I watch it because I like watching. So there's nothing wrong with that. You just can't center your life around it. I mean, you can. If your life is centered around a football team, you're depressed. Most of you today. Some of you aren't, right? I mean, you can center your life around a team, but you're just, that's just a setup for being hopelessly empty. And so the question today is, how do, how do, I, put, how do I put Jesus at the center of my life so that I can be forgiven of my sins so that I can have peace, finally, peace in my soul that no other person or food, drug, or possession can give me. There's only one answer to this, and that is to invite him in. If you haven't done this, invite him in. Uh, some of you are listening to this, and you know something's missing. You look in your box, there's a few things that have meaning, but there's also some brokenness there. There's some loss. There's some uncertainty. I believe God's been speaking today. God's spirit has been knocking on your heart, and I know it can be scary because you're worried, some of you, how inviting Jesus into your life might change you. Gang, you can still be you. You don't have to become somebody you're not. You can still be an athlete, musician, or business person. You can still be you, only you'll have a new kind of love, new kind of joy, hope, and purpose to your life. Jesus said it this way, here I am right now. I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If anybody, doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, if anybody hears my voice and what? Opens the door. Jesus is not going to force himself into your life, into your heart. You've got to be willing to submit and say, God, I need you. I open my heart's door to you. And here's the promise if you do that. Jesus said, I will come into your life. If it's not working, why not let him in? You know, people who let Jesus in, they're not perfect. But there's a difference in these people. They begin wanting what God wants and loving the things that God loves. They still have problems, but they face those problems with a new confidence and a new wisdom because God's spirit is filling them with his wisdom. 
So invite them in. And gang, not just one day a week. Invite them into your life every single day. Into your work week, into your conversations, your dating, your decisions, your marriage. This Christmas is kind of bittersweet for me. Because this is my last Christmas teaching on this stage. And there's a lot of emotion inside me. But I can tell you my single prayer for the past three weeks leading up to this weekend. My single prayer is that thousands of you over these past four days. That thousands of you would finally open your heart up to Jesus and let him in and begin to enjoy all the things I've had for most of my life since I was five years old. God's forgiveness, God's peace, God's love. God's promise of eternal life when I die one day and I am gonna die one day. You gotta have a plan for your death. And my plan is my faith in Jesus Christ who broke the curse of death and said, Anybody who puts their faith in me will also break the curse of death. If you do that, if you'll invite Jesus in, you'll get two things. You'll never be alone. You know, the prophet Isaiah said, there's going to come a Messiah to earth. And when he comes, he will be an everlasting father to you. You'll never be alone. To us, a child is born, he said. A son is given. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. It means if you let Jesus in, you'll never have to be alone again. Back in 2004, my daughter was leaving for college, and I was dreading it. Uh, it was a Saturday afternoon. I'll, I'll never forget it. I was getting ready to come to church to speak, and I walked past her bedroom, and there she was standing by a pile of flip-flops that she had selected from the closet and she was going to take to school with her. She stood there with her hair in her ponytail and T-shirt, sweatpants, and I saw the sadness in her big brown eyes, and I just, I just melted. Because every day for 18 years, she had slept in her bedroom next to ours. Every night, we prayed together, said goodnight, Every day after school, she'd come home to her bedroom in flip-flops, and now she had them in a pile, getting ready to leave home. Neither of us said a word. I walked into her room, and I held her as closely as I could. I kissed her forehead, and her tears stained my light green shirt, and I could barely speak because my little girl was leaving home. Four years later, she brought a boy home from college to see if I thought he was good enough to marry. He wore a crooked ball hat and pierced ears, and I wanted to cry again. <laughs> I have nothing against pierced ears for your son-in-law. <laughs> have at it. Turns out he was perfect for my daughter. His last name is Nelson. They call him Nellie. Nellie's a great husband and dad. I love him to death. He went to med school, became a radiologist. They've been away from home for 10 years. Med school, residency. They're finishing up at Pittsburgh. 
and they're going to be coming home in six months to be a part of our church. They're going to fly home in March for my last weekend here. And I love them to death. My point in telling you this is I will always be Meg's dad. But even I can't be an everlasting father for her. You know, some of you never had a real dad. Some of you had an absent dad or an abusive dad. So there's an ache in your life for a dad to be there for you. You know, the great news of Christmas is that Jesus came to be an everlasting father to you so you'll never have to be alone. You'll never have to face heartache alone or uncertainty alone. Most of all, you won't face death alone. Jesus will be there to walk you through to heaven as your everlasting father, if you'll let him in. Second thing that happens if you let Jesus in is he'll give you a new heart. Uh, most of us look really good on the outside, as far as I can tell today. But the truth is, some of you came to Christmas with a broken heart or a sad heart or a heart that's just darkened and messed up by sin. What if you knew that God could give you a new heart today, a heart that's healed, forgiven, cleansed of all your sins? What if you could walk out of here with a heart that's filled with God's love, peace, hope, and promise for eternal life, that whatever is broken or missing in your box, that God could heal that today by giving you a new heart? Ezekiel, the Bible says, I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. If you invite Jesus in, you'll never have to be alone again. And you get a new heart. You know, sometimes tragic things happen to us in life. We don't know why. And we don't have an answer. So I want to show you a story of a 14-year-old girl who lost her life in a ski accident. But it doesn't end there. I'll show this four-minute video, and then I'll come up and we'll close our time together. Watch this. Sunrise over the Phoenix suburbs. Todd and Tara Storch are here to continue the mission they began in March, the day their daughter Taylor, just 13, died in a Colorado ski accident, the day they decided to donate her organs. I don't know, excited is not the correct or right word. The Storchers say they came here because they had to. Their daughter may be deceased, but her heart lives on in the Valley of the Sun. It's the thing that's been on Tara's mind since day one. Hearing Taylor's heartbeat. That's really what I've wanted since the very beginning, is to find who has her heart um, and have a connection with that person. That person is Patricia Winters. Married to Joe, she's a nurse. At age 40, just one year younger than Tara. And they're both now raising two children. Her heart started failing five years ago after the birth of her second son. 
I felt like I wasn't going to last very long. Um, I was sleeping pretty much 18 hours a day and could hardly really do anything other than lay in bed. It was pretty pathetic. She was too weak to take care of her boys. Taylor's heart lets her be mom again. The boys are finally, I think, kind of really trusting of me again and enjoying their mom. Meanwhile, Terrace challenges learning to be mom to only two. Just trying to find a new normal without having the missing piece of our five-piece puzzle. Transplant alliances are cautious about telling recipients who their donors are. But using the internet, friends figured it out in just hours. And that still troubles Patricia. Well, knowing that she was 13, I mean, right. that within itself was hard. But seeing Taylor's picture and then in a few days looking at the YouTubes and all that stuff, it was just, it just gave me that sinking feeling even more. Online, she followed the Storch's story on taylorsgift.org. That's the website for the foundation Todd started to encourage organ donations. There she saw a link to this News 8 story. But they rejoice in the fact that in five lives, she lives on. I, I can't wait till I'm able to hug the person that has her heart. That encouraged Patricia to reach out. By email, the two moms built a special bond. Tara and, and, and Patricia have been texting and emailing. They had their first conversation. Um, a day or two ago on the phone. Both couples faced the meeting excited yet nervous. I think it'll be good. I really do. It I, will yeah. be. It'll be tough, but it'll yeah. be good. It's 110 degrees in the desert when the Storches finally pull up at Patricia's door. <laughs> the mom's hug, heart to heart, for almost a minute. Then Todd joins them for a minute more. You know, I know this is, we should probably talk, and, but I need to hear her. Always prepared, Patricia retrieves her nurse's stethoscope. This goes around your ears like that. I cleaned it, okay? <laughs> Tell me if you can hear it. It's so strong. He is very strong. I want him to hear too. It is the sound of life itself. It is Taylor's gift. I am so sorry. And I thank you at the same time. I'm so glad you're good. In Chandler, Arizona, Gary Reeves, Channel 8 News. Bible says that God can give you a new heart. One that's soft and alive. Instead of one that's hard and dead. You know, if someone put a scope up to your chest, what would they hear? Would they hear a heart that's full of life, full of hope? One that's been forgiven and beat strongly for, for God and for others. Would they hear a heart that's angry? 
and broken and just lost, darkened by sin. Jesus stands at the door of your heart and mine right now. And he's gently knocking. And the only question is, will we open our heart and let him in to be healed and forgiven and saved for all eternity? Um, I hope all of you were able to get one of these cards as you came in. Would you try to find that? It might be in your purse or neighbor's purse or under your seat. And as you're looking, if you could grab a pen or pencil, just for a couple more minutes, I just want to ask you to do something, if you would. Go ahead and try to find that card. On the, on the front of this card, or on the back, whatever it is, it says, save this little card for later in the service. Well, that's now. <laughs> and if you need a pencil or pen, there's somebody who can help you get one here. But go ahead and tear that off. And there's four, there's four boxes, A, B, C, or D. And I think every one of us, including me, can check one of these boxes. And the first one, A, says, I've already invited Jesus into my life. And for those of you who've done that maybe years ago, maybe just recently, Christmas is a celebration of Jesus, not only coming to this earth, but coming into your life to bring salvation. And so you're here to celebrate and you, along with thousands of others, can check that one. B is probably the one that's most important to us today. That's those of you who are ready to open your heart. You're ready to be forgiven. You're ready to start a new life that's full of God's love and joy. And if, if you're that, if you're a B and check that, we'd love to have your name and email. And that's just to be able to send you a 12-week New Believers study guide that'll help you get started in your new faith. C are those of you who, you know, I'd like to consider this, but I need, I need more information. And we totally get that. And my advice to you is to come back in January, our January series, keep asking questions. It's a big decision to let Jesus into your life to become a follower of his. And so I'm a fact person. I'm a person who loves facts, not feeling. <laughs> and so I need to know the facts of faith. And maybe you do too. Every one of us should. D, are those of you, you know, you're just not interested. And that's totally okay. We get that. And uh, our prayer for you is that one day, you'll also open your heart to Christ. We're just glad you made it to church. It's been an honor to have you. But for those of you who checked B, I just want to close in a prayer for all of you. And this is a holy moment, so those of you who are nervous and want to get going, just hang tight. And we're very crowded here, so when we do dismiss, you know, be nice in the parking lot. <laughs> Don't sin, all right? Be, be patient. Let's just pray real quick for those of you who are in the B category. Father, thanks so much for your love for all of us, your desire for every one of us to know you. And so if you're in the B category, this is your moment. This is your time. If you breathe this prayer, you don't have to pray it out loud. God knows you're, I'm going to lead you in this prayer. I'm going to pray the prayer for you. 
But if you embrace this prayer, right here, 2019 Christmas, you can be forgiven. You can gain new hope. You can gain healing from all the past losses that are in your box. And you can gain the promise, not the, not the question, but the promise of eternal life in this prayer. Lord Jesus, that's me. I'm checking B. Right here, right now, you've been knocking on my heart's door for the past half hour, hour. God, something is missing in my life. I know it. And I've been told it's you. So Jesus, right now, I open my heart to you to come in. I confess my sins to you. I am a sinner. I need your help. So Lord, come in, forgive me of all my sins, I pray. Heal me from all my hurts. Jesus, will you give me a new heart? Just by faith and by this prayer. Not by anything I've done, but because of what you've done for me on the cross. I receive you today as my Lord, my Savior, my God, and my friend who will never leave me. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, let me be the first one to congratulate you. God bless all of you as you leave today. Merry Christmas. Have a great Christmas day tomorrow, everyone. God bless.